You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 62, finishing off the Foxes. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined as always by Mr. Jack Davies. How are we doing, sir? Yes, yeah, buzzing, mate. Great weekend for us, so we can't complain and it'll be a good good episode today discussing it with RJ, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, as Jack mentioned, RJ joins us. Is his first appearance in about a year. Obviously, time difference is, you know, quite a, quite a big challenge to overcome, but we have managed to get him from his busy schedule from, you know, his Chelsea TV debut. Uh, RJ, you join us. How are you doing, man? Yeah, buzzing boys, as you as you said, made my debut appearance. It, it was almost as good as my debut appearance on that Chelsea pod. So I put it right <laughs> up there. It was a phenomenal experience. But what can I say? Three nil, and it wasn't like other three nil performances. And I draw a parallel to Aston Villa, which you know you reflect back on that game, and three nil was not a justifiable result. But you could argue the same thing here, except for it should have been more emphatic. It was that good of a display. And I'm still in cloud nine and great to be back on the on the pod with you two legends. Yeah, no, exactly. It was always nice discussing a win. And that was a very nice win to discuss. Uh, as always with guests, I get them to give themselves a plug, a plug, a plug. <laughs> <laughs> Gone all northern there. Um, RJ, tell people where they could find you on Twitter and also, you know, your work you do with your IFT crew with uh, Scott and Robbie. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. So on Twitter, I try to post very regularly, daily on Chelsea and other four-related content. So that's at capital R, capital J, underscore good things. So at RJ, underscore good things. And as Nick mentioned, I do co-host a show that we stream twice a week that talk all things Premier League, which I represent the Chelsea community called the It's a Football Thing podcast. So on YouTube, you can type and search us in by entering the 
IFT pod as separate words. And yeah, we're on the road to 500 subscribers now. But for me, I just love talking Chelsea and the Premier League more broadly. So following the, the Chelsea TV appearance, I, I jokingly <laughs> made the comment to the boys that I've been on the phone with Sky Sports and others. But <laughs> I think it's fair to say that that dream is a little bit further than what I may envisage. But it's all good, boys. Just happy to be back here. Yeah, make sure you check RJ out on Twitter. He's brilliant with all his tweets, always a really positive influence on the timeline. And he also does, you know, write some articles as well for various Chelsea sites as well. Make sure you check him out. Right, Jack. Leicester City, 3-0. We're quite good at football, aren't we? I mean, that was, <laughs> uh, fair to say, best performance under Thomas Tuchel in Premier League so far we've had. Yeah, I think so. Certainly the first half an hour, 40 minutes, I thought, yeah, we just... I know I mentioned on last week's pod and said we should be easily beating Leicester based on their form this season, but we just completely swept them away. Didn't they didn't have anything to show. I think there was there were some stats that came up with about ten minutes to go, saying they hadn't had an attempt or like, even or a shot on target or an attempt. So yeah, we were just yeah and yeah, <laughs> it's just brilliant to watch, isn't it? When we're playing that well, we can really. Enjoy enjoy following Chelsea. Just a shame, shame couldn't couldn't get down to Leicester. But um, nah, yeah, another three points in the bag, and on onto another a huge huge week for us, really. So just got to keep it going. Yeah, no, exactly. I was asked to fill in as a late substitute on uh, Leicester Fan TV's sort of preview show, and I predicted we win two 0 and it was met with a bit of oh, you're a bit confident. And I was like, well, no, this Chelsea team under Thomas Tuchel is pretty good, and in the end, you know, I, I was I went too conservative because we won three 0 and really should have won by more. Um, RJ, I guess that was you know as we've mentioned, that was a really good performance. What kind of stood out to you the most about that performance? It just made it just so good and so memorable. Yeah, and no, a very good question. I think to to sum it up really quickly is just how energetic and fast out of the blocks we were because I know comparing it to other first up matches from other international breaks, we looked a little bit lethargic and run the risk of being a bit too complacent and being caught off guard. But aside from the first couple of minutes where I thought Leicester tried to start the game with some positivity, we quickly weathered that little mini storm and just really got on the front foot. And from that point onward, we were just the, the more aggressive of the two, were winning first and second balls, we were comfortably beating their press and finding lots of spaces in between the defence and the midfield. And they were just struggling to contain the movement and the fluidity of that front three. And of course, the wing backs have been the key to our success so far. But it was nice to see the, the J5 and Kante pivot again because they were sensational as well. And of course... The back line, everybody's going to talk about Rudiger's opening goal and he was strong again. But Thiago Silva, he get, it's getting old now to say that he's aging like a fine wine because he's just, he just makes it look so easy. And he's 37 going on to 25 somehow. But he's just yeah, phenomenal player. And I'm just blessed that he's at our club. So happy days. Our opening goal scorer, Tony Rudiger. 33% of Rudiger's career goals have been scored at the King Power Stadium and four of his nine Premier League goals have been against Leicester City. Four of his, sorry, nine career goals have ever been against Leicester City. He likes playing Leicester City and Leicester aren't great at defending set pieces. And Jack, that is where we got our joy. Ben Chilwell as well, he was getting a lot of grief from the Leicester fans. Come up with that performance though, hit the bar, should, really should have scored. But again, you know, that's another goal we've scored from set piece this year. Brilliant 
brilliant ball in and bears Rudiger to do his job. And also a quick word on Jorginho actually is very clever in the way he sort of creates all sort of that space for, you know, Rudiger, you know, to be unchallenged, to, to head home. Yeah, and that's what been one of our strongest points this season, our defenders chipping in with goals and assists. Uh, Reese, I know, I know you will say Kante, that's all Kante driving and taking the ball for that second goal, but that's another assist for him, assist for assist for Chile. And I think I've seen we've, we've um, in the Premier League, 13 of our goals have come from our defenders. And you look at, teams like Liverpool, City, United and I think Liverpool and City have only had one and United zero apparently, it's called into Sky Sports so um, yeah we've we yeah, we yeah we've got such strong assets there at the back both defensively and attacking and and it's a, yeah, just a joy to watch to be honest with you, um, we just yeah, now we've got players like Timo coming back, Pulisic getting on scoring a goal so when these boys start really, yeah, hit, hitting the ground running and and the fire starts to fire starts to burn with those boys, we're we're going to be a, a scary force if we if if we aren't already. Yeah, no, exactly. The way we made Leicester look very ordinary was very very encouraging. Second goal came from Angolo Kante, who was a phenomenon in the midfield. Eighty-five point three percent passing accuracy, eight recoveries, four duels, one, two tackles, two interceptions, and the most shots on target in three. RJ, I mean, he kind of turned into, he sort of channeled his inner Eden Hazard there. That was that solo <laughs> run. And it's quite funny, quite funny in the interview. Sort of afterwards, he was saying, you know, I was looking, I was looking for the pass and, you know, I didn't see it to him and I had to shoot him just, ah, oh. you know, I, I, did, I didn't want to score a bagger, but I had to. The best was the, the celebration at the end where he's looking to try to find the <laughs> goal scorer, not knowing he is the goal scorer <laughs> of an amazing goal. But he's got this ability, I don't know what you boys think, but... When he drops that shoulder and just starts getting on a bit of a momentum, he is quite a good little dribbler, but because that's not his natural instinct and we don't associate that with him, it just feels awkward for all parties that he's doing it. But when he's doing it, he looks so graceful. I actually really enjoy him when he's in possession and really just backs himself and you know puts the head down and moves forward. Because behind the, the superhuman stamina is quite a gifted football player. And I just... It's one of those bugbears for me, but doesn't he doesn't get enough plaudits for that. He's obviously very, very fit and he can cover the ground of two, three players. But again, the ability for him with his passing, like the one sequence that stood out for me in the first half for both his attacking and non-attacking efforts was aside from the goal, which was a great run and obviously the finish to, to boot, but... He released habits with a nice 30-yard long-range pass into a channel, but he sliced in between both Sionchu and Evans, and that was a really nice attacking midfield-based pass, which nobody spoke about because it didn't lead to a goal. But then there was the bit where Jorginho, I believe he turned over possession in and around the 30-40 yard mark, or might have even been a bit close to goal. But again, he was there and made a double interception or a double tackle all within that short sequence to snuff out a counter-attack. It was in the 19th minute, I think. So it's just him doing Kante things, but he does it so often that it's quite hard to sort of just keep praising him because he's just, he's a, he's a world-class player. And you, I don't care what anyone says, to be honest, but he, when he's fit and firing, he is a player that, 100% improves the overall squad. Even when he's not on his day, 
which he was against Leicester. He's someone that's so important to allow others to do their thing. But it's just great to see him back on the pitch doing his thing because he bossed it yet again. Yeah, no, exactly. And Golo Kante has perhaps been, you know, obviously due to some injuries as well, but he's perhaps not been, you know, quite the heights this season. But that was a really, really sensational performance. Talking about, you know, sensational performances, Reese James, I say it every, it's kind of becoming like a moot point at this point. I say it all the time. But yeah, most dribbles completed, five most duels, one nine, most tackles, one three, three chances created, one assist. Obviously, that assist was, was, was for Kante's solo goal, but he was a menace. Obviously, he also had the offside goal. Uh, you know, one of three offside goals we scored and some of the football we played was just wow. But um, Jack, Reese James is, yeah, he's rather good, isn't he? He's just yeah, good. He's not bad, is he? Yeah. Uh, it just goes to show what they what they do with these boys down at Cobham. Uh, don't quite know what they feed them, but, well, especially Reese when you see him, the physicality of that boy. But I think in the last last year or so, he's he's come on leaps and bounds. Um think the the wing back role suits him really well but but yeah just defensively and attacking he's just so good at both of them now um the wing back role obviously suits him attacking can put those crosses into the box and his defensive side to the game I think that personally for me is what if you're looking for England because slight, slightly puts him over Trent although Trent is the, the assist man, the danger man with, with his delivery, uh, which is world-class as well. So we're sport for choice there with those two. Um, and I'll just give a shout-out to Chile as well. I thought he was brilliant. Going back going back to Leicester, slight point to prove a lot of people giving him giving him stick on the side. So he definitely would have would have enjoyed that one yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And when I said, harking back to my preview, I did... The guys at uh, Leicester Fan TV as well, they said 50 million, you know, sure, they got a great deal out of that. And I thought, well, yeah, we also got a pretty great deal out of that then as well. So, Ben well, most chances created on pitch four, most fouls won four, seven duels won, six recovery, two out three dribbles completed. said he hit the bar early on. Schmeichel made a brilliant save from him. You know, the only thing yeah. missing really yesterday from our performance was a Ben well goal just to, to, you know, show up the Leicester yeah. fans who were giving him grief. But no, the wingbacks, our wingbacks are phenomenal. And I say it before, a crucial part of our attack. Um, yeah, and you're almost you're almost expecting him and Reese to get a goal or an assist every single game now. It's it's generally getting to that that yeah that kind of point in time where that is that is the impact that they have on this team. And yeah, like you said, Nick, it's crucial to to the success of the team. RJ, you know, he got he was awarded BT Sports Man of a Match uh, the coverage provider here in the UK. Thiago Silva, 91 out of 94 passes completed, 100% duels, won 100% dribbles completed, 100% tackles, won eight recoveries, three clearances. He was not dribbled past. He dealt really well. I thought him and Trevor Chalabra in particular just dealt really well with, with the threat that was Jamie Vardy. You know, those balls in behind. He did not look in any trouble at all yeah, whatsoever yesterday. And again, just another classy performance. And as you said earlier, he just ages like a fine wine. He is so, so good. I just did, I, I just realised Jamie Vardy was playing. I didn't know because he, he, he had zero effect on the game. I know in the, in the second half, in the, at the start, when he had that um, run down the channel and had that pretty tame cross into the middle, which was easily swallowed up by Mendy. But he's just Thiago Silva, the positional awareness, the calmness on the ball when Leicester did to their credit, in the second half, tried to apply a little bit more pressure. He's just someone that he um, doesn't let 
the occasion get too big for him or he's really calm under pressure. And of course, he's, we know in, in two calls, three at the back system, the movement of the ball between the three CBs is crucial in getting the, getting things rolling. So he's just so, you like we mentioned about Kante and you notice when he's not there and how he elevates those around him. Because we've been blessed to have a bunch of high-performing centre-backs, even when he's not available, but when he is available, he's similar to Kante where he does pick up those around him and he's that extra bit of class that the others are still applying their trade and, and slowly, slowly getting to. But even defensively, just the tackles he's made, the way he knows that he's not going to win a foot race with Vardy, so he'll give himself that extra bit of space and he'll communicate. That's another thing too, the way he uses his hand gestures and points and moves people around. Jorginho gets a lot of praise for the way he directs those but equally, Thiago Silva is very good at communicating with Mendy and you saw him with Trevor, which, by the way, I'm sure we'll touch on him slightly as well. He is such a surprise pack where I don't think the most optimistic of Blues fans would have realised just how good of a gem we've got in this guy. But coming back to Thiago just quickly, he's, he's the all-round package at the moment. And again, 37 going on 25. And he just, I'd be inclined already to put the contract in front of him to say the option there for another year stays there, up to you to sign it. So credit to him for maintaining that level of professionalism in his twilight years. Yeah, no, I love Thiago Silva. I remember when we had Dean Mears on last year at Leeds, that was the first time, you know, fans were back and he said, you know, I just implore fans to just go over to Bridge and watch Thiago Silva play. He is a classy player. Obviously, since then, Jack and I have been fortunate to be able to bridge, and I know lots of many other people have. And honestly, Thiago Silva is phenomenal. He is one of the best centre backs I have ever seen. And that, you know, I've seen some good centre backs, but he is just different, different class. You touched on Trevor, RJ Jack, Trevor Chalibur. He came in, you know, a lot of us, that was, you know, with Tuchel Verres, normally always a slight surprise with the team. You know, we, there was always maybe one slight surprise. I think a lot of us probably expected to see Andreas Christensen or Cesar Aspilicueta play there, but Trev played there and again didn't put a foot wrong. And again, it's you know, just a general point, his distribution, our whole back freeze distribution was immense. I mean Trev plays a crucial part in that third goal we score. And also I think it's, it's yeah. him that plays that brilliant ball over to Ch- to Chile that leaves him in the corner as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and that pass as well. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, that's the thing that I was gonna pick out there was his his forward passing yesterday was brilliant. The pass to to Ziek for the third goal, the weight of that pass was just brilliant. I know you will give. We should be giving Ziek a lot of plaudits there because he was brilliant when he came on. Him and Pulisic, points to prove. Um, but yeah, back to Trevor. Yeah, didn't set a, put a foot wrong. I uh, thought he was. Thought he might have got caught out there when uh, Lookman put the ball in the back of the net. But you see the replay, and it's a perfect uh, step up to put him offside. So it just it just shows a lot about uh, about the ability of Trevor that Thomas Tuchel trusts him to start in a game like that over someone like Azpilicueta, who is a club legend, club captain, who you know will give you seven out of ten performances at least every single week since he's since he first signed for us. Um, so for him to be, yeah, for Tuchel to keep picking or to pick him over Azpilicueta, I think it says it says a lot. And signing that new deal we mentioned the other week. Um, he's going to have a big, big part to play in this team going forward. Yeah, no, Trevor Chalabar is really, really exciting. I said there was a lot of, you know, discontent, you know, seemed like some Mark Gurhi leaving San Martino Livermento, but, you know, Trevor Chalabar has shown there is still a very clear pathway here. 
at Chelsea. And yeah, it was really, really great to see. He was brilliant. And again, Trevor Chalabar, whenever he steps in, just does not disappoint. Um, going to kind of move on to the third goal. And it was a combination of two subs, two players who had a lot to prove, two players who replaced maybe being harsh, perhaps our two worst performers on the pitch on the day and Mason Mount and Kai Havertz. You know, I actually thought Kai, you know, was pretty good. There was obviously one moment which really frustrated me when he didn't release Callum hudson Doy. I was literally shouting on my TV. I was like, Callum, 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 Callum. And then he didn't release it and got tackled. He did get a free kick for it. But I was thinking, there's your chance to play Callum in. But no, RJ, you know, Hakim Ziyech, I thought he came on. We'll start, we'll touch, start with him first. And that was a really positive contribution. I mean, you know, whisper it quietly. This is the sort of last three appearances for Chelsea. Obviously, Newcastle, you know, he had the disallowed goal for offside. He hit the post. He was, you know, trying things out against Malmo. He got the winner. While we're still yet, while we're still perhaps not seeing, you know, the, the ZH, you know, we'd hope we signed some very encouraging signs we're now starting to see with Hakim ZH. Yeah, it was very positive. And the, the way in which, like Jack mentioned, Trevor, credit to him for releasing him. And but he had to make the run and he had to do a really good job in not being overzealous and just taking his time to find the pass at the right moment. Look up and see a willing Christian Pulisic, his partner in crime, to finish off the chance. But the thing that I noticed more about this performance versus the past couple of performances is that he didn't seem to be overplaying his hand. Like, I, I felt in the last couple of performances, there was a bit of a, a sense of pressure from his end that he's got this reputation and he's this out-of-the-box X-factor type player and he has to try the daring pass and has to really be a point of difference where, as we saw, he can be a point of difference, but he just needs to apply himself in a more methodical way and not and just judge the situation on its merits rather than try to create the impossible out of something that doesn't seem like it's the right option. So I saw a more mature display, which is really positive to see because... Let's 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 be very honest here. He he's in a situation where if you had to have an outlook on a player, his his future is a real big question mark at the moment. But that's a bit due to the result of having good players and competition around him. But equally, he hasn't to date really made the most of his minutes. But the last couple of displays, we're seeing some positive cameos. This one, he was a really really good one that stood out. The key for him will be, can he, can he consolidate that and continue to find some consistency? So I'm not going to be reactionary and say, oh, yeah, the, the curtain's back open for him and he's going to be a focal point for us going forward. But what I will say is that it's nice to see that when called upon, he is looking to add a little bit of positivity to the mix because under Lampard regime, we, we knew the player we wanted to sign. We know that on his day... He is someone that can be a real point point of difference. And for me, just hopefully, fingers crossed, we, we use him in a way and for the right type of occasion, especially against teams where we know that they are going to be a little bit more resistant at the back. But overall, positive display from our Moroccan magician and hopefully he can continue to pull some more rabbits out of that hat of his. Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah, it was a really nice, encouraging coming in. Just to reference a, a tweet I saw from a friend of David Branch, you know, it is a squad game. And that was, you know, per addition of him coming on, doing his part 20 minutes, obviously, you know, putting a really good ball, but Pulisic just narrowly, you know, under a bit of pressure, just put wide initially and then obviously plays his part in the second goal. Um, Jack Christian Pulisic, that was some cameo. The boy looked lively and looked a threat mm. every time he got forward. That was really, really nice to see from him. 
yeah, uh, yeah, it's really, really good to see from him. And you know, I was worried seeing him uh, playing for USA in the international break, thinking, oh God, here we go again. Something, something he's going to pick up some other knock. But you know, that that's that's Christian Pulisic, and we know what that boy can do when he's when he's at the top of his, of his game. We reference it too many times, but that lockdown period after lockdown, he was unplayable. And if he can get back to any sort of heights of that, then he he will be a key player in this team going on hopefully hopefully on some sort of title challenge. So great for his confidence as well, I think, to get get that goal. Um and yeah, just just long long may it continue. I just wanted to say as well, um uh, regarding those two subs, you've got to give the main man, the manager, some credit for that. Um yeah, making making two changes there for two two boys to combine and and completely kill the game off. I know we you could say it was it was done a long long time ago, but to completely finish the game off because you know in football some some you can get a deflected goal or something something ends up in the back of the net and then the king power are uh, back in their team and it it could all go wrong quite quickly. So yeah, I thought I was yeah a great sub and and. I think a few weeks ago, or usually, he'd be Tuchel would be taking off Callum Hudson Odoi there. It would have been Callum and Havertz. It wouldn't have been Mason. And I think yesterday, based on based on that performance, Mason just looking a bit off the pace. Uh, that was definitely the correct decision from Tuchel to take him off and keep Callum on, who I thought was dangerous again. Yeah. Now, RJ Callum Hudson Odoi, you know, they say it's it, it's it's taken a while, but he's getting his run of run of games in his favourite position in the front three and he is taking it, isn't he? I'm, there was obviously no goal or assist to show for it, but he was lively yesterday. He did nearly score. And to say in that you know, he, out of the front three who started on pitch, he was probably, you know, the best out of out of Mason and Guy. Yeah, he was. But I think the thing with with Cho was that he had he had for me some really good moments and then he had parts where I thought, oh, I would like him to be a little bit more clutch here or be a bit more decisive. And like there was a bit in the second half when he made a really good run and he cut in, but he skied his shot over the bar. To be fair, it wasn't, it wasn't much over, so it's really hard to be too critical. But there are times when I thought, oh, the one where Schmeichel gave the ball away, I thought he could have done better with that chance. I know it's, it's easy to say in a moment, but I thought his touch was a little bit heavy and he cut it back and it was just a little bit behind Mason. But... Overall, a very positive display and he is continuing to find some rhythm. It has to be said that he is going out there and he is, he is making an actual positive contribution in those forward positions. He is dropping in, he is collecting the ball. It is nice to see him in his best moments when he does receive the ball and he's just driving at defenders. We know he's got the quick feet. We know he scares the opposition when he's running at them rather than him being a bit more passive and trying to be too methodical in his build-up, which is important at times because not in every situation you're going to have space to be able to run at people. But he's, in my opinion, most effective when he is driving one-on-one against a defender. But he just needs to continue to put his head down and make the most of those opportunities because now we've got Timo Werner coming back in. Mason, he's, he had he had an indifferent game because he had some good moments. People will pick up on some of the heavy touches or whatever, but it's just very easy for for social media world, especially when certain people have got an agenda to just 
extrapolate the not so good moments and make the whole narrative based on that. But there were some good moments amongst the not so good ones. So for me, the utopian world will be people just judge things on face value rather than trying to drive too much of an agenda. But we all know that that's not going to be the case. So why be why be delusional, right? So, but overall, Cho, very good performance. The challenge for him is we've got 11 fixtures remaining through to the year end. He's just got to continue to hustle in training because you might have heard Tuchel's post-match com- comments where he said that there was a whole bunch of other players that could have easily made the squad on the day, et cetera. And therefore, given the amount of games that are coming thick and fast, if I'm Callum, I'm hoping that I get a start and, and a lot of minutes across all of those 11 games because this could be a really defining period for his Chelsea career. And I don't think I'm being hyperbolic in saying that. No, is that something, you know, we have discussed before, we have discussed or with Adam Newsom that this is like a time Callum does, you know, he needs to be afforded these opportunities, but he also then when given them does need to, certainly does need to take them now. It was standard, you know, standard Eddie Mendy clean sheet, didn't have much to do, made one safe, made it look pretty effortless. Move on to listener questions. Uh, first one comes in from American Hooligans. Uh, so you kind of maybe guess where this is going. <laughs> it's Pulisic for greatest talent this earth has ever seen. Obviously, it's slightly uh, hyperbolic, <laughs> but honestly, I know we did talk about Christian Pulisic, but Jack, honestly, we like that was that was as just. I know we kind of touched on already. That was just really good. That was really good. What we want to see from him, he, you know, put himself in the conversation to start. You know, midweek, given he was, you know, really impressive. Maybe gives. Ducal a chance to go if Rom if Rom's not quite ready to start if Timo's maybe not quite ready to start we can go well you know what maybe we actually try the front three but finish the game against Leicester in Callum, Puli uh, and Ziyech maybe. Yeah, because he it seems like Tuchel likes likes playing Pulisic up front, doesn't he? So um, I think it's it's kind of it's a it gives us a different dynamic. I think him up front um, and yeah, if he if he just keeps can keep getting. Uh, Getting these goals and assists and keep the form going, then it's gonna be it's gonna be dangerous for 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 the other teams in this in this league. Um, and I think I think on the whole, just from him him performing in a game like that is gonna make those boys like Havertz and Mount train harder. If we've got all these players in this squad putting in performances like that, you're only gonna get better performances out of the squad as a whole because these boys at the end of the day they're teammates but you're compete, competing for a space in that team and you're going to have to turn, turn your levels up if if these other boys are they're putting in decent performances like that yeah that nah, was really good from Christian Pushik. Uh next question comes in from Anna what did you make of Hakim Ziyech's performance obviously we do know Anna is you know quite a big fan of Hakim Ziyech but RJ like as we said that was really really encouraging from, from Hakim Ziyech you know he said he, he was when he was on the pitch, he was really good. He had a positive impact. So just, yeah, more of the same, please. Absolutely. it's We, we covered it, but I think and it's nice to get a question from Anna because she's a top presence on, on the Chelsea community. It's good to have that that nice set of people that we can call upon to, to cut through some of the noise at times. So big up to Anna. But, yeah, it's, again, with, with Hakim, we all know on his day, he can be a difference maker. It's just up to him to be able to really, in the moment, analyse the situation for what it is and, and really look to utilise the big bag of tools that he has got and apply them at the right moment rather than trying to force a square peg into a round hole, if I could use that analogy. So 
continue to do what you're doing, Hakim, because we know that you can do some really good things when 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 called upon. Yeah, no, exactly. It was it was really I say it was really nice to see you know the subs come on and actually have a really positive positive event. It was just nice to see a, just a really really good Chelsea performance. So Dan Hill, next question. He's got two. Uh, first one, what about Chelsea's win impressed you the most? I know I asked RJ a question similar to that at the start, but Jack, what impressed you the most about that win? Um, I probably would just say the 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 presence and performance of those boys that came off the bench, to be honest, just showing that whole performance uh, of the, yeah, well, the performance of, of these players in the whole squad. Um I think yeah, that that's the most impressive for me. I think the other the other things you can obviously draw out is the defence. There's no goals being leaked there, but we can say that every single week. So I'll go for something slightly different there. Yeah, no, exactly. Fair enough. Uh yeah, I think the impression most to say we did make I know Leicester struggled this year, but we did make them look very ordinary. I thought that was, you know, really impressed from us. Leicester didn't really have a sniff. They obviously, you know, Madison was on the bench, which did surprise me. There are a few, you know, interesting it was an interesting lineup Rogers put out, but no, I thought that was impressive. And I say just as the, the complete nature of that performance, like we created chances for fun. We were defensively sold when we did have to like ride a little bit of storm of Leicester pressure. There was a period, you say, I mentioned about five, 10 minutes of the second half where Leicester held the, had the ball a lot, uh, but we held firm and, you know, previous, uh, previous teams in Chelsea passed on the slightest bit of pressure might have, you know, door might have creaked, Leicester might have got in and then we might have been in for a slightly, you know, nervy final stages. So now it was really, but just to say, this Chelsea team, it just feels really complete and it just feels that we can, any time we do go under any bit of pressure, we, we can ride out. But as I say, the squad, as I say, like you said, Jack, the squad nature of it, in fact, we Trev came in, you know, as I said, we'd have probably thought AC or ASP would, would start there. But Trev comes in after, I don't know when he last played, probably a Carabao Cup game, but it doesn't put a foot wrong. He's just really, really impressive at the back. Um, and yeah, as I say, it was just really, really nice to see. The second part of our question, I'll give this one to you, RJ. What lessons can we take in an attacking sense from this game that will help integrate Lukaku more fluidly? It's a tough one. It is a tough one because we know that the diff- there has been a lot of debate and in the, in the Chelsea community and more broadly about how do, how do we get the most from the prolific Romelu Lukaku. I think, and we spoke about this on, on the show when on, on Chelsea TV, but, but my overall view was that he would be licking his lips watching just how good the team have been clicking together. And while Havertz, you know, he was one of our lesser performing players amongst a real star-started efforts across the board, he was still doing some useful things up front in terms of his pressing and the driving runs. And he did draw the foul, which on another day, someone might have converted the chance and it would have been an assist down to his name. But... I think in terms of some of the lessons we could probably draw is the fact that we know Romelu is someone that's more than one trick pony. He can play a bit deeper. He is someone that's going to be hovering around the boxes. But for me, I think for us, a lot of the the presence of those around Romelu are going to be important to get the most from him. So it's, it's one thing to be able to finish off chances you create but it's another thing altogether to be able to put yourself in a situation to create those chances. So the lessons to take forward about making sure that those around him deliver the same type of display that they did perform against Leicester, i.e. we need to have the ability for our defenders to move the ball quickly. We need to be able to get the opposition 
to lure them into a false sense of security that they can try to press us, but we beat that, that press, create that space between the midfield and defence to be able to get Romelu to make some runs in and around those half spaces along with the tens. So we saw Ben Shulwell make so many runs from deep so they could play the ball in over the top. So, and Reese James with some of those more aiding runs in the midfield. So the overarching theme here is that we need to get those wing backs to continue to make those unorthodox style of runs from their positions. We need the front three to continue to move and pull defenders apart, but equally our defenders and midfielders to continue to work as a block of five at the back to try to get those attacking press from the opposition to create that space for Romelu to be able to run in behind. So it's a team effort, as we like to say, but Romelu will be licking his lips because we know he can convert those chances, but we need to really be able to put him in a position where he can do the best, which is, we you know, convert off those opportunities. But it's hard because it's not a, bi- it's not a binary answer. And I say that, because what worked for us against Leicester isn't going to necessarily work for us against another team who doesn't want to try to engage with us. They're quite happy to let us have the ball. And that whole idea of trying to lure them in and create a press and create that space might not be possible against a team that deploys that really stubborn low block. So there are probably a few principles that we can bring, i.e. try to keep ourselves fluid and try to stretch defences apart. But each situation and, and needs to be judged on its merits. But overall, I, I have no issues that once big roms back into the squad, that it might not be the same type of profile, but will still be equally effective, I think. Yeah, and as I and hopefully, you know, we've seen with Callum Hudson Adoy's performances, he's been hitting some form with Pulisic. If this can be the start of something special, I think it'll probably, you know, our attackers playing with confidence and being informed will also help Rom. Just, you know, they'll be more confident to try things with their decision-making. You know, as we said earlier in the season, you know, Ron was playing up front, but he was also playing with attackers who probably weren't in the best form themselves, which probably didn't help his case a huge amount. Like I just said, it is different. It is every game will be very different. Example, you know, Juventus come to us, Stamford Bridge midweek. They'll be happy with a point because they'll know they'll keep them top of the group. I'd imagine, you know, they, they've got obviously the quality to hurt us, but I'd imagine they would not be on the front foot a huge amount. From memory, again, in the game in Turin, you know, we did have a lot of the ball. Um, we were sloppy with the ball. You know, we did, you know, give give away some chances on, on the count of them. And obviously, we can see that stupid goal, you know, seconds into the second half. But I do think against Juventus, it will be, you know, interesting. And that might be a game where, you know, we see if Rom, if Rom isn't fit, how we cope, you know, trying to break sort of that team down. Because Leicester did give us, Leicester gave us a lot of space yesterday. And I do not think, you know, Juventus, who know that, say, a point is very good for them. If they win that, then their last game is... If they get a point, then their last game is Malmo. You know, they should top the group. So, and Chelsea will want to top the group. So, it'll be very interesting to see how we kind of approach a different challenge midweek. But, yeah, our attack gives me confidence that even without Ron, we can we can get something going. Final two questions, Meg, you know, very similar. Dean Mears, are you going to believe us? Jay, can we win the league? Jack, you know, that is the type of performance. You know, we have been playing pretty well, but again, that, is a, that is almost like a statement performance, that is. Yeah, definitely. I think we've we've got the tools. We've got the tools to go and win it for sure. Um, it's it's just gonna be it's just gonna be tight because you see see City today. 
winning comfortably. City are a very, very good team, and you think they haven't even they haven't even basically got a striker, and they're still pulling out all these unbelievable results. So, and you've got Liverpool starting to starting to hit some form again. I think really, I think they're almost improved from from that team that won the league. To be honest, um, players like Mane might be slightly out of form, but someone like Salah's just out of this world. So we've got a, a tough, tough challenge against those two. I think it's you don't I'd only say it's between the three of us. Um but obviously I'll be backing the boys all the way and I I think we can do it hundred percent. Yeah, no, no, I think Liverpool, you know, I don't think they are perhaps beside nineteen twenty, but at the same time they have got quality players in there. They have handed out a few hammerings. I mean Arsenal, I didn't think, were even that bad yesterday and Liverpool ended up hammering them 4-0. They were that good. And that was kind of a golfing class between Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, but And yeah, City are, City are just that weird team where they can just, they are sublime, you know, their quality, but they're also just capable of, of just a really freak result. Um, but yeah, no, I've got, I say, I've got confidence. I believe this team is good. I just do feel there's something different this year. Uh, again, I'm also aware we haven't hit December yet, but, um, you know, that can be a time where things go wrong. But there just does feel seem to be, you know, something different with Scott. There is just, you know, a sense of any tough moments we can weather them. And yeah, we just we look good. And I say I don't even think we've really hit our full potential as a team. Yeah, I don't think we've really hit full form yet. And yeah, I think that's really exciting. RJ, you know, how confident are you that we can we can win the league this year? Well, what are we, 12 games in now? And the, the stats are really strong in terms of the, the direct stats that are goals for goals against and the old chestnut of where we are on the ladder but it's perspective is so important here jack brought up some good points about the competition around us and you know you stretch your mind back to last season and we just scraped fourth spot that's so important over a 38 game season we just scraped fourth spot yes we've brought lukaku in which he's going to need time to fully integrate back in despite his good start to the campaign. It really just depends on a couple of factors in terms of if we can continue to leverage off the quality of our squad depth, which has been so important over the last month, given some of the injuries to Lukaku, Werner, Kovacic, Mount at some point, Christensen at some point. But everybody that's been called upon so far has generally been able to step up. We had that mini banana skin against Burnley, but even in that game, we performed so, so well, but just didn't score the goals that, you know, it almost was the problem of yesteryear when we just couldn't finish off teams. But can we do it? Of course we can. We are we are genuine title contenders. But again, the caveat is that we are entering the traditionally challenging period and where we finish on the other side of this challenging period, so what the start of the new year looks like, if we can enter January on top, with a few point buffer, then I think it's going to really place us in good stead, especially because Liverpool will be weakened in AFCON due to some of the players they lost. But all just just for our benefit as well, heading into the new year in a strong position, because as we know at the start of at this time last year, things were going pretty good, and then mid December came around and we lost a couple of games, and then all and the wheels started to fall off the wagon. So it's. I want to believe, I do believe, but I also have got a little bit of a caveat knowing that things could be quite different in 10, 11 games' time. So I don't want to get too excited just yet. Just really the old cliche of taking one game at a time because if we do, we, we've shown that we can be really resilient at times 
and we've shown that like against Leicester, when we want, we can turn it on from the beginning. So to a long-winded answer there, yes, believe, but believe with a little bit of cautious optimism. You know, next up, you know, my focus on my hand in Tuesday, get that job done against Juventus, hopefully to then leave us in a strong position to, you know, going into the final game against Zenit without, you know, destiny, you know, fully to top our group. And then obviously Man United, you know, on Sunday without Ollie, which is a shame. You know, I'm sure we all shed a bit of a tear this morning hearing the news that Ollie, Ollie was gone. Um, but no, exactly. It's a really interesting time coming up for Chelsea. And yeah, be, say this run of games will be really crucial to the season because this is a time where Chelsea season in the past, you know, the kind of the, the direction of the season has gone. So, you know, under Frank, it went, you know, this is where it's the beginning of the end started to happen. Under Sarri is probably when like, the culture wars in the fan base broke out, you know, that when things started to to go wrong. And then, yeah, as I say, it would just be interesting to see see how it goes. But that's going to wrap us up for this week of that Chelsea podcast. I want to thank RJ for coming on. RJ, before you go, give yourself one last plug where people can find you on your socials so they can check you out and all your great content. Thanks very much, guys. Pleasure to be back on. Honestly, it's I always love, love chatting to you guys about Chelsea and you keep doing some really great things and having some top guests plus myself, so that's always nice. In terms of where you can find me, I'm on Twitter and at capital R, capital J underscore good things, so at RJ underscore good things. I do run a football-based YouTube show called It's a Football Thing. So if you search us on YouTube, the IFT pod as separate words, or you can find us on, on Twitter also via my profile page. And I also like to dabble in some article writing for both Talk Chelsea and the Chelsea Social talking about post-match um, key themes and also doing a monthly breakdown as well from a more of an analytical perspective. But again, guys, really feel privileged to be welcome back onto your great show. So keep doing your great things. Yeah, no, RJ does a lot of great content out there, writes some brilliant stuff. So make sure you check him out. And as I say, he is always a positive influence on the timeline. Someone, you know, the timeline can at times be quite a, a toxic place, but he is definitely someone who always has a glass half full kind of uh, kind of mentality, which is always great to see. And we do love, you know, seeing positivity about Chelsea. And hey, things are good at the moment. So there is a lot to be happy about um but yeah as for us we're on all your usual podcast platform providers make sure you give us a download make sure you just play us wherever um yeah just helped us out we're on all twitter at that chelsea pod instagram at that chelsea pod yeah say all, all shares likes retweets etc are greatly appreciated in helping us get out there uh we'll say at the end of the day we're just chelsea fans talking with fellow chelsea fans about one club we love and you know life's been pretty good as a chelsea fan on thomas duke we've had to a lot of special moments to talk about and hopefully we'll have many more special moments to talk about. But until the next episode, everybody keep blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.